And as we stay into this uh, mindset of worship, as I said before, one of the ways we worship the Lord is by acknowledging Him and acknowledge the great things that He has done and the great things that He does do. Uh, we've had an amazing healing happen within this ministry in the past couple of weeks. Is Deidre, um, as you know, is, is, uh, kind of make the long story short, uh, they had found a breast cancer, and the Lord just miraculously healed that, And uh, as Brad shared last week. And, and today, we need to come to the Lord in acknowledgement again, but also a different kind of acknowledgement. Let's acknowledge in anticipation for a healing. Our dear sister, Pat Carter, is ill. She's very ill, and she's home right now recovering. And she has called and asked if we would pray for her. And that not just pray for her, but we would lay hands on her. And so, well, 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 Pat, how do we lay hands on you when you're not here? And Pat says, have somebody stand in the gap for me. What a word, huh? What a woman of faith to say, have someone stand in the gap for me. I believe in God so much. I believe in his power and his healing. And I believe in the unity of people so much that I want them to get together and present me to the Lord. That's a good word from a faithful sister. So I would need somebody to stand in the gap today. Miss Sis, you'll come. And guys, if we could. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Anyone else want to come and we just lay hands and we would just pray for Pat? Anybody who would be willing to come down? Well, 
we've had a lot of miracles and healings lately. Uh, looking at Brother Mike right there, it's just a blessing every time I see you. Uh, see you standing up and just see the countenance on his face. You know, just the, the joy in his heart. And so many of us, we go through, each and every one of us in here, and, and God has touched us. Um, but today, as I said before, is, you know, really kind of marks the beginning of the whole holiday season. And uh, Christ gets forgot a lot of times in, as we prepare for Christmas. And it's fun and exciting. I hung up Christmas lights yesterday and um, was so proud of them, have them hanging around the door. And this morning I asked the girls, what do you think? And they went, it's not enough. <laughs> they go, that's it? It's kind of janky, Daddy. You know, I was, <laughs> I was proud that I didn't fall and break my neck. But, but they're up, and um, so when we leave, we'll be going to Walmart. And uh, buying more Christmas lights for me to tangle up, get mad at next year, and throw away, and start the process all over again. Maybe that's just my family. But as as we do that, um, and I mean, as as we you know prepare for this this Christmas season, and you know, it, it, we we forget that you know Christ is didn't just come to. I mean, Christ didn't just come for the holiday season. He came to give us joy and, and to, to set the captives free. And it's our duty to, to acknowledge the fact that we are in a state of transition. We've been talking about that. It's been the sermon series lately. That we are a transitional living people, and we are in the middle of a transition right now as a nation. We're in the middle of a transition um, in all kinds of ways in our life, and the, the ministry here is growing, and so we're in the middle of transition. But we don't ever need to forget the transition that God has brought us through, through Jesus Christ. And one of the things we need to do is acknowledge that. So as we read the scriptures today out of Colossians, excuse me, as Paul wrote this, do you understand that he wrote it in a time of his personal transition? He was going from transitioning from being free. He had gone through a point of transition in his life where he was the Paul, the persecutor, right? And we all know the stories of Paul. I mean, incredibly brilliant man. The equivalency of uh, today's standard would have what we would compared to probably a triple Ph.D., you know. And, and so we, we've, we've, we've talked about him, how he ruthlessly uh, persecuted the Christians and how he was, uh, took great pride in knowing that he did a good job in persecuting Christians. And so Paul goes through, and then, then he was on, on the road to Damascus and got knocked off his donkey. That's a G-rated version. Got knocked off his donkey on the road to Damascus and had an encounter with the Lord Jesus and spent some time being, being retaught and recultivated by the Lord. And then his life was in transition as he went back and transitioned into the life of a Christian, as a believer, not a persecutor, but a believer. And he, and he went from town to town, starting churches, uh, preaching the gospel, showing how his life is an example of the gospel, showing that if God can do it to me, he can do it to you. And all these things that I have, I count as rubbish and garbage. They're nothing compared to what the treasures of Christ. And he's preaching the good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he talks about Emmanuel is now with us, and not just with us, but in us and amongst us. And he's preaching the gospel. And now his life is in transition one more time, and he is in prison. And he is in prison with joy and with hope because he's writing to the church. Churches of Colossians and Ephesians and these other churches. The epistles are written out of this first imprisonment in Rome. And here he is. Can you imagine that? Once again, this man is in life is in transition. And he's writing to his church, to his fellow believers. He's heard 
that the gospel has been preached by people they've preached and discipled and have gone on and discipled other people and are now preaching ahead of them. And he is sending them letters of encouragement. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me stop right there because that's our first point. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Guys, I want you to know that if you are a believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you are a believer and walking under the faith and direction of Lord Jesus, you are not alone. There are people praying for you. There are people praying for you. I know of a story of a brother that was incarcerated, and at the time of his incarceration, he heard the judge make a statement about, well, when this is over, i got to get home for my little daughter's birthday. Years later, the brother was released. He stands before the very same judge, and as he stands before the judge, he says, by the way, how's your daughter? Judge is taken back, but well, what is this, this, uh, this person saying about my daughter? You know, the judge is going to be nervous. He says, no, you don't understand. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I came to know Jesus, and I've been praying for you and your daughter every day that I've been in prison. That's a testimony of what it's like to be in the life of a believer. Praise God for Praise God for that. You have people praying for you right now that you never have known about and people that you will never know. And that is our job. So that's you receiving. Now, how about us giving? How about us giving? That is our job to give out prayers and blessings and acknowledgments to people who are are faithfully serving the Lord. We have Pastor Marco, the guy very personal and touchable and tangible to us in Peru right now, getting it done. Last week, buried his very mother. His wife has been re-diagnosed with cancer. Pastor Marco is getting up this morning, preaching the gospel with as much energy as ever before. Pastor Moonwa down in Haiti walks hours to preach and encourage these churches that are starting up. Goes through every day they get up and kiss their wife goodbye. They may not come home again. And that's a very real possibility that they live in. And they go up every day and they preach the gospel with excitement, with enthusiasm. And that's just two people we know. That's just two people we meet face to face and communicate with weekly that we know. There are thousands of Christians right now being persecuted. There are entire Christian neighborhoods in Egypt at this moment that are literally under siege. They can't get groceries in their neighborhoods or get products and goods out of their neighborhoods because they are being persecuted at this very hour, this very day. And that's just one little neighborhood that I read about this morning. One little incident. We are to be praying for and encouraging the life of the believers. You know what? Believers don't need, as we get ready to transition into this good old winter time in our Louisiana winter weather, you know, we don't always get good winter weather, right? We really don't have four seasons. That's like a lie, you know. (laughs) You know, if if you grew up in Louisiana, you're taught there's four seasons. That's not really true for some reason. That may be true in other states, but in Louisiana, our weather's kind of all mixed up. By the way, you know what else is a lie for Louisiana about weather? Snowballs. Okay, we don't have snowballs. If we are lucky enough for it to snow in Louisiana, don't throw that at anybody. <laughs> right? You've seen, like on TV, you turn on the TV and you watch people have snowball fights. And they're like, oh, he got me. You know, they're walking in the car. Oh, <laughs> you. Not in Louisiana. Man, you get that snowball and it's got rocks in it. 
you know, and it's frozen ice, and it burns your hand, it's so cold. I still don't know how that works. And you hurl that thing at somebody, you'll put someone's eye out with that snowball. And we don't have snowballs in Louisiana. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so what the world doesn't need and what Christians don't need in Louisiana is another person to say it won't stick. You know what I'm talking about, right? Has anybody ever seen it snow? And guys, if there's a snowflake in Louisiana, go out and celebrate that, all right? There's a snowflake in Louisiana. Look, it's just, just, just snow. Where's my school teachers in here? You know, you can't contain those kids if there's one ounce of a snowflake. Once someone always, it doesn't, I don't know who it is. Please don't raise your hand because I'm going to talk about you. Somebody's going to always say, it's not going to stick. Why? Why ruin my, I know it's going to be 60 degrees in 10 minutes, but don't tell me it's not going to stick, people. It's a snowflake in Louisiana. Let's go out and enjoy that. Christians need to be people of encouragement, okay? Don't be that it's not going to stick person, all right? We understand it's not going to stick. We know we don't know how to drive in the snow. We know we go crazy when it's snow. Let the kids out of school. I don't care. Let them, you know, it's Louisiana. We get snow days. Use them up. Anyway. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> and all the students said amen. <laughs> so I thought about that this morning when I looked out, and it was frost on the ground, you know. And I just sat there, and, looked, you know, I ran out in it just because it's fun to run in it and make it crunch under your feet. Someday I'll grow up and won't do that anymore, I guess. <laughs> so, so that's the world needs us to be encouragers. Life of a Christian. That's back to my point. Uh, as we live through this life of transition, and we go through transitional living, as we go through uh, change and constant political change and sociological change and economic change, oh, by the way, that's coming, and we go through all these changes in our life and changes in the world, change in our health, changing from little bitty boys to great big men to old men, and changes from security and comfort to questions, from healthiness to uh, diagnosis, from joy to sorrow, from freedom to imprisonment, Paul says, I will have joy in chains. I will be in bondage for our Lord Jesus Christ. And he wrote letters of encouragement to us. So that is who we are. Never forget that. That is what we're about. If we are Christians, though the world around us may be fallen apart, we are to stand tall in a storm and stand up like a lighthouse to the world. And say, we have hope in Jesus Christ. You see, that's what lighthouses were made for. Never forget that. Lighthouses weren't made to be the picturesque scene that we see painted all the time. Lighthouses were never meant to dot the landscape and be aesthetically pleasing. With the grass blowing and the seagulls you know, hovering. No, no. Lighthouse is meant to stand bright in the storm. A lighthouse is meant to shine the brightest in the darkest moment. A lighthouse is meant to bring comfort and security and to holler out a warning sign to those who are on their way to death and destruction. A lighthouse is meant that when your life is in absolute peril and you see that light, you know you're almost home. That is us as Christians. We are to be the light in a dark world and not be discouraged and not be another it's not going to stick person. Paul saw this, though he was in chains, my brother was writing letters to churches, 
I joke and say it's not going to stick. But Paul could have easily said, I'm glad you're a Christian. Now, you'll probably be arrested. Well, gee, thanks for that, you know. I'm glad you got baptized. Now, when you come up out of that catacombs, you know the Romans might kill you. Good luck. The world doesn't need that, does it? The world needs to say, congratulations on that decision. Let me walk with you. Congratulations. I know you're right here. Let's get to a point of discipleship. It's glorious when we go from decision to discipleship. There's a discipline that usually follows somewhere in between there. But from, from that point of decision to discipleship is where we really are to be seen the most. Let's go on. Verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, that you may pr- please him with every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. There's a principle of the snowman that we like to call in my house. The principle of the snowman. You see, snowmen are a good image, right? That's not Louisiana snowman, I understand. So I got married October years ago, got married in October, had my young wife, get our first little place together, it's um, about this big, wasn't it, the stage, yeah, and you had a bathroom, and then another room that was a bedroom that was about as big as this carpet, and a living room, and there's our little duplex there on West California Street in Ruston, Louisiana, and um, I wake up in the morning, and there's a new snowman. Okay, we're time to decorate. That's what we do. We have a, a home now. <laughs> we're married. And I wake up the next day, and there's, a, there's another snowman. And there's a snowman globe. And then there's ornate, ornate snowmen like this. Nice, fancy snowman. Right? Everybody likes a snowman. And so suddenly it becomes pretty clear that my wife likes to decorate with snowmen. And there's snowmen everywhere. You wake up and there's a snowman on the head of the bed. There's a snowman when you walk out of the shower. There's a snowman on the little toothbrush thing that, you know, you put your, he's how you snowman is holding my toothbrush. You know, the little snow, the little soap you squish. There's a snowman squirting soap in my toothbrush. you got a snowman uh, thing that scrubs the dirty dishes. Snowman everywhere. And finally I asked my wife, I said, what? What is it with these snowmen? Actually, it's like, what is it with these snowmen? And she says, a snowman is always smiling. Ooh. So I began to like snowmen too. So snowman is always smiling. The principle of the snowman is that we are to, no matter what, present the image of an encourager and a believer in Jesus Christ. Because the snowman is always going to smile. The, the smile is the last thing to fall off in a snowman, you know. And if you look at the snowman, and your, your typical image of a snowman is, is what? you got three white, fluffy balls. They start big, then small, and then a the little one up top. You know, it's got the nice little silk hat and the, 
the corn, I mean, not the corn, the, uh, the coal for the eyes. Y'all even know what coal looks like in Louisiana? Do we? No? We don't see it. We know what charcoal is. Yeah, don't go stick a charcoal brick in there. That looks, you know, we don't do that. You know what we use for eyes? We use pecans and a rock, don't we? That's our Louisiana snowman, and I'm proud of it. You know, we have like a, 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 a green pepper plant for a nose because it's Louisiana, and they're still, they're still blooming. They're still growing. So we pick these things, and these little acorns, and we put them for his belly, and he's covered with pine straw, right? Come on now. You know, you don't get to build one but every 10 years, so you know you run out and do it. He's got pine straw. He's got oak leaves hanging right there, and his little crooked arm, you know, his little crooked arms like this, and you put his head up, and it rolls, and you pick it up, and you stick it. And, and your hands are stinging because they're soaking wet because our snow is wet. And you, and you got your little snowman looking right there, and he's not three circles anymore. At this point, he's just kind of like a blob. And you're so proud of him because that's your snowman, right? And you go out and you take pictures with this thing, don't you? You get your pets and stick them in front of it and make them stay. And you take a family photo with this scraggly-looking snowman that doesn't look anything like perfection and, and all of that. But the reason you love it is because it's from you, and you made it, and you enjoyed that moment. And that is us as Christians. The principle of the snowman is not one that we need to be ashamed of. We don't need to hide our heads in shame and complain that we don't have a corn cob pipe. I don't even know what that is. And a butt nose. We need to be happy that I've got matching pecans as an eye. And I've got them grinning from ear. Well, they don't really have ears, but they grin from all the way to all the way. And I've got a snowman in my front yard, and I'm proud of it. I'm so proud of it, I'm going to take pictures with that thing. And it's the last to melt, and a snowman stands proud because he's only there for a little while. It understands, like, like Paul again, I mean, uh, John says, uh, excuse me, James says, your life is a vapor. It's just here for a moment, not worried about where we're going to go, not worried about what's next, not worried about where we're going to go, buy, sell, trade, build, move on, graduate, expand, and conquer. No, this moment, this moment, I'm going to smile and be a snowman right where I'm at. At this moment, it's perfect. At this moment, it's beautiful. As I said earlier, I got to bury a good friend of mine that will never have another this moment again. He'll never get to say, at this moment, I hug my kids one more time. At this moment, I'm going to bite my tongue and not say something I'll regret. At this moment, I'm not going to get mad when I go to the store and what's supposed to be on sale is not on sale, and I'm not going to take it out on the person who's working there. At this moment, right, Amanda, because I know you work at Walmart, you appreciate that. At this moment, at this moment, I'm going to live life and enjoy it. And my brother's not going to be able to say that anymore. The transition he's living at this moment is to be in the glory of heaven. But the rest of us have to still make those decisions. We acknowledge him by giving thanks. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints, the kingdom of light. Here we go. This is the good stuff. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son who he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. You see, we need to have joy in this life of transition. We were once in a time of darkness, and now we are in a time of light. 
We were once in a time of sorrow and confusion and separation of the Lord, and now we have total access to the throne room. Even the angels marvel at the, uh, the ability we have to approach the throne of God. We were once in a time of we're absolute considered enemies of God, and now we are the apple of His eye. We were once in a time of disobedience and sin and open rebellion, and now we're in a time where we have permission to run up in the loving arms of the Father. That needs to be celebrated. We need to give thanks for that, as the Scripture says, and give thanks with a joyful heart because you are not alienated from the Lord anymore. You are sons and daughters. And that is a transition we need to be aware of. We need to acknowledge that every day from here on out as we go through this holiday season, as Christmas approaches, we need to realize the transition that has happened. It is no longer God in heaven. It is now Emmanuel, God with us. It is no longer the silence of heaven and hope to hear from the prophet. It is heaven bursts forth, rips open. The angels can't control themselves and they shout down at the shepherds, Hallelujah, He has come. We do not need to be ashamed to be a Christian. We do not need to hide in the shadows anymore. I don't care if who we wanted to get elected didn't get elected. I don't care if the saints win or lose. I don't care, fellowship. I don't care. What I care about is representing Jesus Christ in this moment and to be a dirty little snowman. And if my tooth falls out, I'm going to stick my scraggly arm out and be a snowman for the Lord in this moment. Give an amen for the snowman. Amen. Thank you. May not be perfect. May not be perfect. But God loves us. Madeline handed me my four-year-old, I mean my uh, six-year-old, handed me a little heart that she made and cut out. It says, I love G-E-S-U-S. That will go with me to the day I die. I'll probably run back into burning house to get that. I just want you to know that. It's not perfect. Not the way one day she'll look back and she would have said, oh, I probably would have done that different. Oh, I probably would have spelt it correctly, or cut it out differently, or colored, or did this and did that. But the father looks at it and says, I love it, just the way it is. You see, there's a principle of that. That's us as Christians. We may not always look perfect. Oh, but God loves us. And in that moment of transition, as we are growing through perfection, as we are growing in the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ, with a joyful heart, that's how we're to live as Christians. We bear the mark of the one who went before us. We're to love the transition, whether we're being delivered or discipled or disciplined, I want you to know that you are a delight in the eyes of the Lord. If you go by my house, you will see, and it's, well, I mean, if it snows this year, oh, I hope it snows, by the way. After this sermon, it's got to snow. Lord, please let it snow this year. If it snows in Louisiana this year, and I get to run out there and build that little three-foot-tall snowman, covered in oak leaves and, and probably a gum wrapper and 
pine straw, and I stick my little twigs in there, and we decorate them, and we all pose with them as a family picture. I want you to know that that's a delight for me. And his nose may fall off, but he's still ours. You see, because once we were lost, and now we're found. By the grace of God that once we were blind, and now we see. You see, the creator loves the creation. Creation may not be perfect, but it belongs to the creator. By the grace of God that we've been saved. And we need to enjoy that moment of transition. This day, this hour, as we prepare and go forth into this season and spend money like it's going out of style for that moment of excitement, even though they play with the box and not the toy. We, as, we go, as we prepare for that, remember the transition that God has placed us in. Remember that. And let's enjoy it as a family. Let's come back together in fellowship. Let's let our attendance be strong during this Christmas service. You know, the rule of thumb in ministries is you're not going to have many people come Christmas time. Let's let that be different. And if you do travel and if you do go places, and I strongly encourage that, make sure you're found in the house of God on that Sunday and you're blessing them and you're blessing that church and that ministry. Let's let Christmas be a time where we're seen as being encouragers, where we encourage people and we stand strong in the storm. And let's let that smile be constantly seen on our face, just like the snowman with crooked rocks and pine cone needles and all of that other stuff. Let's let us flash our grill the best we can and show everybody who we are because we were once one way, now we're another. Jesus, I pray that you would be with us as we follow the principle of the snowman, as silly as it may be. Father, we are not strangers to you. You loved us first. You sought us. You loved us through our rebellion. You loved us through our blatant disrespect and disobedience. You loved us through all of the times in which we've run from you and all those times that you've called us and we've disobeyed you. You loved us first. You loved us with a greater love that we can never understand. You loved us with long-suffering. You were slow to anger. And oh, you were so quick to forgive because you were God. You loved us so much that you decided to let it be a life of transition where you do not, we do not have to always approach you, but yet you come to us. There's no other God like that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving us so much that the master no longer keeps the servant in the dark as to where to go or what to do. But yet we are joint heirs to a kingdom. We follow your guidance and your direction. You walk with us. You light our path and are no longer a distant light for us to search and grope around in the darkness for. You are Emmanuel. We are thankful. Amen. 
I want to ask you that if you don't have that assurance, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you cannot boldly say what I just said here this morning, if you cannot say, I was once this way and now I'm this way, if people can't look at your life and see a marked change and a difference, I mean, where they look at you and they can almost point to the day that God came into your life. I want you to let today be that day. Let the Christmas gift, the greatest Christmas gift you can ever give is not one that you have to go put on layaway because it costs so much, but one that is freely given to all mankind, one that is more powerful than a nuclear bomb, one that is more knowledgeable than all the physician's medicine, one that is searchable in knowledge. You can have it today if you've never given your life to Jesus. Let today be the day. Let today be the day. And if today you, you've already done that, and if today you've already done that, but you haven't been walking in that joy of the transition, and you haven't been sticking out that little snowman arm, showing the world who you are, and you decide today I'm going to rededicate, recommit my life, let today be that day. Let it be seen by the world. As they drive by their front yard in the neighborhood of your life, and everyone says it when they're driving by, oh, look, there's a little snowman. If you've never lived, in your, lived your life that way after that point of decision, let today be that day. And from now on, every time you see a snowman, especially this season, you're going to remember what it's like when I was once one way, and now I'm this way. Please come down and we'll pray together and pray through that. Leave that garbage behind and leave with a life brand new. Stand with me. He's going to sing amazing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It was great. His word, my hope, 
It's been good to be in the house of the Lord today, hasn't it? It's been good to come together and worship. I've missed you guys. I've been gone so much with the holidays and here and there and taking care of, um, you know, my, my friend is not with us anymore. And and uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be here at church. You know, this morning as I was praying, we also need to keep Will and Katie in our prayers too as they're celebrating their Thanksgiving time with their family. Uh, Will is such a vital part of this ministry here. Uh, we just need to keep praying for them. And um, Wednesday night, we start back up our Super 7. Wednesday night, we took a break. Uh, so if anybody wants to um, donate some food for us, that would be great. Um, we always appreciate that. Whatever, Whatever's given, spaghetti, pizza, lasagna, what else do we like? Fried chicken, um, casseroles, any of that good stuff, we, gr- we gladly uh, appreciate it. Food, uh, and pre- prepare to provide for about 40 people about what we have now so the lord has blessed that in a in a mighty way um any another any other announcements all right uh, brother bob will you dismiss us in prayer <laughs> 